Be seated. If you were with us at all in December, as we went through the month of December approaching Christmas, we talked about Christmas traditions. And one that is uh, well known to most of us is the nativity scene. It's a very popular Christmas tradition. We have one right outside in the gathering space, right outside the worship center here. Amy and I have a couple. You probably have one or two in your houses. They are scenes depicting the birth of Christ. They have Mary and Joseph and shepherds and angels and wise men and animals. We like sheep and donkeys and sometimes even a cow. Certainly no pigs. And of course, baby Jesus. Generally, the scene is a physical depiction of Luke 2, except for the wise men. They actually are, are a product of Matthew's gospel. And we know they weren't there. In fact, if you want to be biblically accurate in your nativity scene, take the wise men out. They didn't show up for two years, yet the producers of the nativity scenes feel a need to add them for whatever reason. The first nativity scene was created by Francis Assisi in 1223 in central Italy. He created it in an attempt to place the emphasis of Christmas upon the worship of Christ rather than the secular materialism and gift-giving that had come to dominate Christmas in his day. Wow, some things never change. He staged the first nativity scene in a cave with live humans and animals, and it became hugely popular. Within 100 years, every church in Italy was expected to have a nativity scene. Eventually, statues replaced humans and animals, and in time, the scenes became elaborate works of art. Today, they are one of the most well-known traditions that we have in Christmas. As I said, the nativity scene is really a, a physical depiction of Luke 2, and that's going to be our, our text tonight. Let's turn there now, or listen to me as I read from Luke 2, sorry, verse 1 through verse 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration why Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, Ga to Judea, to the city of David, which is Bethlehem, because he was a house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that there will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace toward those with whom he is pleased." When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, 
and made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as they had been told. It starts off with a registration, a census. There were two reasons why the Roman Empire took censuses. One was for conscription, or what we'd call a draft. That's how they got their military. And secondly, for taxes. Now, the Jews didn't, were exempt from being drafted, so, so this only affected, from the Jews' standpoint, the tax aspect of it. Now, we know Caesar Augustus, we know four of the census he took. And Quirinius, we know of two he took. And this says it's the first of those two. And Joseph went up from Galilee to Bethlehem. As we know, Galilee is far north of Bethlehem, but when you go toward Judea, it's always thought of going up. So he made the the trip. Now, the Jew went to their homeland, unlike other people that lived in the Roman Empire who would stay where they're at to be uh, census being taken, a Jew always went back to their homeland, to that which was their tribe the tribe, the land that was assigned to their tribe in the time of Joshua. And as we know, Joseph was of the, the tribe of Judah, of the, of the family of, of David, and how critical that is, because we knew, we were told by prophecy that, that this Messiah, this, this Christ, this promised one would come from the lineage of David, we saw that back in 2 Samuel, how it was promised to David that, that he would have a son who would always sit on a throne. And he went to Bethlehem. It's convenient how God uses the events of the secular world to work to fulfill his prophecies. He had said that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And yet Mary and Joseph are way up in, in Galilee. So Augustus decides to have a a census, which requires Joseph and Mary to come to Bethlehem right at the time that she's to give birth. Now, that could not have been an easy journey. She's about to give birth, and yet she has to make this rather long, many, many, many day trip to Bethlehem. But she makes it. It says in here, and I find it fascinating, she says that Mary is, is Joseph's betrothed, but we know that they're married at this time. Betrothed essentially means engaged, but it's much more of a legal status than that, than what it is in our day. But when he talks about Luke talking about Mary being his betrothed, he's referring to the fact that their marriage hadn't been consummated. Remember back at uh, what Matthew said back in his gospel that Joseph refrained from, from consummating the marriage because he didn't want there to be any doubt that this child was a miraculous product of God. So they came. They came to Bethlehem. And they come at a time when all these people are moving. So they come at a time when there's hard to find lodging. 
And so, even though it's, it's not as clear in the English, the Greek is clear that they're staying in some place that houses animals. It could have been a cave. It could have been a, a, a barn or a stable of some kind. And that's the only thing available to them. And so she gives birth to her firstborn and wraps him in swaddling clothes and lays him in a manger because that was what was available. At the same time, out in some nearby fields, there's some there's shepherds. I find it fascinating that when you read about shepherds outside of the Bible during this time, they don't have anything good to say about shepherds. They aren't exactly, well, they're, they're seen as, as lower class, almost despised aspect of the society at this time. Yet the Bible somehow usually has them in pretty good light. And here they're the first, the first people outside of the family themselves to hear this amazing good news. I mean, they're just there tending their sheep, and this angel appears. And I always love this, the glory of the Lord showing around him, and, and the angel's there, and they have great fear. Can you imagine I mean, you're just sitting in a night like tonight, and, and the stars are, are maybe like the lights here, and, and all of a sudden there's, there's great glory. It would, have been, it would have been like the northern lights if you were here earlier today. It would have been the northern lights, and, and then an angel just appears. And he says what, what all angels say, fear not. Somehow they know that the first thing that we feel when we see an angel is fear. And so he says, fear not. Good news. I bring good news of great joy. In fact, this statement by the angel, you could say this is the thesis statement for Luke's gospel, both his gospel and of Acts, his two-part uh, good news story. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Good news that will bring you great joy. Let's understand that this news, the result of this good news, is great joy, and it's available to all people. That unto you this day, in the city of David, a Savior, Christ Lord, was born. This is the only place in the entire Bible that those three very familiar words are used together. Savior. Savior, someone that will save people. Save them from what? Well, we know elsewhere in the Bible, save them from the wrath of God, from their sins. And this Savior is the Messiah. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. He is the promised one, the anointed one, the one that is going to come and bring salvation. And finally, maybe the trickiest of the three words, Lord. You see, he's the Messiah, but he needs to be Savior and Lord. And sometimes we struggle with that. He goes on and says, this sign, you'll find the baby wrapped in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. 
And then this, this multitude, as if the angel wasn't scary enough, this multitude comes and praising God, say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he, being God, is pleased. This is one of the most misquoted parts of the entire Bible. People want to do two things. Either they want to take this and put it with all people and make it say, peace to all people. That's not what it says. Or they just lop off that last line. I I was watching a movie the other day. Yes, it was a Hallmark movie. Yeah, I know you're starting to laugh already. Those of you that know. But it's an old Hallmark movie, an older Science Hill delivered one, and, and they try to, try to accurately depict the Christian faith. And so they're doing this kind of live nativity with a little bit of a narrative. And, and sure enough, the angel comes and makes the statement, and she says it all and then just puts those two together. Peace to all men. That's not what it says. What it says is the peace is available to all people. But the peace comes to those that God is pleased with. Well, how do we please God? Does that mean I have to do a whole bunch of things right? That I got I to keep all these rules and regulations that I got to... Live a perfect life? No. How we please God is believe. I mean truly believe that His Son, Jesus, was sent to save us. You see, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is sent to save us, then he will become Lord of our life. You can't truly believe without following. They go together. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And if you believe that, truly believe that, that'll please God and he will become the Lord of your life. That's what the Bible says. You know, in Isaiah 9, 6, it talks about, in fact, it's, it's a great verse. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we think this peace is somehow uh, a peace in this world. People will talk about it all the time. Christmas comes, so, so they expect peace in this world. That is not what the Bible's talking about. The peace is between us and God. Romans 5 tells us that we are enemies of God. I know that's just so impossible to get our minds around. How can, I don't want to be an enemy of God. Yet that's what we are. But Jesus Christ comes, and if we believe he truly is 
who the Bible says he is, if we accept him as Savior and then make him Lord of our lives, which just follows, we are then at peace and adopted into the family of God. You talk about good news You're at odds with the most powerful thing in the world and then Jesus Christ comes and you believe that he is the Savior and all of a sudden you're adopted into the family of God. Hmm. Well, the shepherds decide they should go check this out. I think it's a wise decision considering all they've just heard. So they go to Bethlehem. And they go there and they find Mary and Joseph and they find the baby lying in a manger just as they were told. And they become the first evangelists. They make known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child and all who heard wondered at what they were told. You see, when you get amazing news like they got, you got to share it. You gotta let people know. Not because you're supposed to, or it's a duty or a responsibility, just simply because it is so amazing. And so that's what they do. But Mary treasures up all these things, pondering them in their heart. The shepherds, after they see and share, they go off praising God. For all they've heard and seen. Peace is a common word that gets used around Christmas time. It's an important word. It's a critical word. In fact, quite frankly, our eternity depends on that word. But the peace that it's talking about, the peace that is available to everyone, is the peace with God that's offered through Jesus Christ. One of my favorite parts of this service is that we celebrate communion together. You're going to have an opportunity to to get up out of your chair. We're going to ask you to to come down the center aisles Pastor Eric and his wife Nikki are here, and Amy, my wife, and I are going to be over there, and we just ask you to come up the center aisle and come and just take a piece of the bread, dip it into the cup, and and take it. The band will be up here playing. Because you see, the birth of Jesus isn't where the story ends. It's really where it begins. We know where it ends. It, it, It ends with Jesus on a cross for our sins. But if it ended there, we would be lost. But he's raised from the dead. And that's what we remember when we take communion. Now I'm going to invite Nikki and Eric to come up and Amy to come up and that band to come back up here. It's a powerful thing to celebrate the birth of our Savior and at the same time, Celebrate the new covenant that his death brought in to this world. 
And as we do that, that totality of the experience, may we truly know the glory of God and the peace of his gift. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you. We thank you on this holy night that we remember the birth of your son, that we can also celebrate the new covenant that his birth, life, death, and resurrection brought into this world. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, our Savior, Christ, and Lord. Amen. Come join us. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our King.